This week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents... From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from Raleigh, North Carolina. And, you know, one day after Apple and IBM forged this sort of interesting relationship, you know, apparently around building mobile apps and stuff for the enterprise, we thought we'd dig a little bit more into the world of mobile apps and app stores and stuff. So today we're very excited. Uh, Ariel uh, uh, Kelly, pardon, sorry about that. Uh, founder, you got it. Founder and CEO of App Figures. Uh, glad to have you on, man. Thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, of course. So, um, so you guys are an interesting company. You're, you have an interesting background. Uh, you know, We'll talk about the platform. In the past, you were uh, an app developer. Tell us about... A little bit of your background and how it, it evolved to, to running to running app figures. Sure. Uh, where do I begin? I guess in the beginning. <laughs> when we started, so I run the company with my brother. We're co-founders with everything we do. And when we started, it was actually all about websites. We started back in 2003 and everything was new. Everything was interesting. Flash was still a thing. People actually still build things in Flash. And my brother is a huge gamer. And he naturally took to the world of Flash. He built some engines, open sourced them later on. And that got us a lot of fame in the, uh, in the development community. And we were actually contracted to do some really big games. And that kickstarted us for about three years. We were doing games full-time, mostly Flash games, web games, um, everything you can think of. And when the iPhone came out in 2008 and the SDK opened up, it was something that we just thought and said, well, we can cut out the middleman and we can just build games and deliver them directly to our audience. And that was just a moment, a pivotal moment for us. And we had our first game up by the end of 2008. And the problem that we had was we had no metrics. So for a consulting company or a client services company to say, we want to go and, you know, do our own thing, we need to make sure that that's something we can actually do and pay the bills. And there was no information given to us by Apple back then to actually support that claim that we can go out and, and do this. So we built something. Uh, we built something in a weekend. We used it internally for about three months until at some point all my developer friends said, wow, I mean, I would love to have something like that. And we knew that that's something we can actually put out there. Uh, we opened it as a beta and it just took off. Within six months, it was the only solution out there to do what it does to actually take data from the App Store and make it available and accessible. And we decided this is going to be what we do. We're not just going to make apps. We're actually going to create the tools developers can use to make sense out of their data. We, I like to think of decisions as uh, data-driven decisions, and I think that makes a lot more sense in the grand scheme of things. And now, even more than before, there's so many developers out there, so many app stores, so many apps. We're looking at about a million apps per app store. That's Google Play and Android about 300,000 developers per store. How do you actually compete by guessing? You can't. You can't be flying blind anymore. And that's how we got to where we are today. No, that, that's, that, that's fascinating. And, and running, uh, you know, it's, it's not an exact parallel, but I know Aaron and I, with the podcast, we, you know, we distribute it through a whole bunch of different things, through iTunes and Stitcher and a bunch of things. And, 
yeah, we, we run into the same sort of problems. We're not necessarily doing it for fee, but just to understand our audience, understand how long they listen, when they get bored, you know, what, what device they're, they're using. And so I can totally appreciate what you guys were looking for. And, and when you think about just the sheer number of apps that people are building and, you know, most people tend to only look at the top 10 or the top 50 or the top whatever. Yeah. I have to imagine you guys are, are un, kind of unearthing a gold mine of data that people still have to figure out, but man, if it's at their fingertips, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it was interesting as I was researching you guys and, and I'm very much interested in sort of the dynamics of, of how the app stores work. You had this very interesting talk. It was sort of a short talk. Uh, it's all up on YouTube. We'll put the link in the show notes. And you were really talking about kind of the math uh, behind the science and the math and the data behind why certain applications work and why they stay sticky. And um, so I'm curious, like, who's your typical user? Do you guys have a sense of your typical user? Is it is it more the marketing department of somebody who runs an app? Are the app developers typically like you and your brother where you're pretty independent and, you know, it's just sort of developer slash owner or what, you know, what, what sort of insights are those groups looking for, you know, developer versus business owner versus one or the other? Well, in the beginning, it was actually pretty straightforward. You didn't have marketing departments. The whole app business was pretty small. So it was just the developer, the, the people working on the app, making the app and also trying to promote it. And it was very clear what they wanted. They wanted to know what's going on. They wanted to see how downloads are trending over a week, over a month. If one event, let's say, uh, when your app is featured, actually leads to more downloads and, and how. And as we evolved, we reached this point where now we're serving developers, we're serving marketing, we're serving sales teams, we're serving financing teams. Um, we're looking even at um, serving venture capitalists who are looking to find out what's the next big app. Yeah. And on top of that, we also serve the enterprise. Enterprises that would not actually use the system came to us and just started using it because it was something they really needed. And Apple was doing a, a very poor job actually showing these numbers to their users in a way that they just left everyone wanting more, and that's where we came in. And that's how we, we got into it. So right now, our audience is, is really a big mix. And what we try and do all the time is try to figure out what they really want, and they want everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that was, that was actually one of the things I was curious about. You know, a lot of times people tend to think of apps as being very consumer-centric, but, but obviously there's a ton of apps that target business, that businesses are writing. What do you see in terms – I mean – I guess when you're serving everybody, you'd probably tend to see buckets of trends and so forth. But are you are you seeing more growth than you expected in in gaming or is business or what? I mean, what what are the big things that are kind of jumping out at you um, that maybe you didn't necessarily expect? Well, not necessarily as in a group of specific people, but more of as in a, a group of way a way of monetizing, I should say. Mm -hmm. When we first started, it was mostly paid apps, no free apps. Um, yeah. Not even ad-supported apps. It was just paid apps all the way. And if you weren't putting out a paid app or a paid game, people would make fun of you. Why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your time? And we see more and more the freemium for games is becoming a thing. But we're also seeing a lot more ad-supported games and ad-supported apps, which is not a direction I thought I would see. I, I love marketing. I love advertising. That's what I went to school for. And that's what I keep thinking about every day. And to see that the, the ways we have currently for advertising, which in my opinion are fairly simple, taking off is just amazing. We recently integrated a slew of new ad networks. So we're getting all this data to developers and now they can compare which ad networks work better for them just by looking at the numbers all in a single place. 
And it's amazing to see how ad networks themselves are actually evolving. When we started, there was mostly the one or two ad networks, uh, AdMob and, and another one, and then iAds came around. And now you're seeing video ads, you're seeing uh, incentivized ads, you're seeing all these different methodologies of actually getting people to give you money by not using your app, which I find very interesting. I gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, and I was I was curious about that because, I mean, it's you guys offer really, really granular um, data, right? I mean, you can get data on a daily basis, but you can get it on an hourly basis. I, I assume, do, do you start to start seeing people who go, I want to correlate uh, you know, comments and downloads and stuff with like just regular world activity. So like the world cup was going on. Are you starting to see people go, Hey, when I have an event going on, I want to get really granular as to if something happened, if somebody got sponsored by Mountain Dew, is there a Mountain Dew app? Or, I mean, are you starting to see that kind of correlation too, as well, that like events in people's lives or activities that businesses are trying to drive, they want to get super granular as to how that's impacting people using the apps and commenting and downloading? Absolutely. That's actually not new. When we started, I think a few months in, we added a new section for events, which allows you to track events and easily display them on the graph. And that's something that really took off quite quickly. So for a few years now, people have been actually looking at the correlation and how one affects the other. And I think as we grow, that's something we want to do more of. We want to be able to automatically detect these events outside of the App Store, of course, because we do detect events in the App Store and make sense of them in regards to downloads and, and comments and uh, ranks and even getting featured. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, now you guys, you run this now. It's, it's your business. Um, you've obviously got a tremendous amount of insight what is what, what what kind of things are coming to you in terms of people, you know, I don't want to say consulting, but I mean there's gotta be people that, that want better access to that to the to the aggregation of that insight, right? I mean, getting it for their own business is one thing, but like you said, VCs that want to see trends. What's what what does that side of your business look like that people want to see, you know, their competition versus an entire industry versus aggregation? How how much is how much has that changed over time as the platform owner versus an app builder? That's actually changed considerably. I think over the last two, probably even three years, we've started to see a lot of demand for, I want to see other people's data. I want to see where other apps are ranked. I want to see which apps are featured. And we've been adding reports and tools for that, culminating at the, uh, the addition of the, the public API that I'm sure you've saw, you've yep. seen. Yep. And yep. I think ultimately, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. Uh, ultimately, I think what it is about data is, one, that you need an easy way to get to it, and two, you need to be able to merge it with other data sets that you may only have for your own data right. or you may, may have internally that you've collected. And that's what we decided to enable with the API. Yeah, I noticed that. that was, it's cool. You guys, you not only provide the API, but you'll do things like, you know, if I want to get comments, you'll translate comments into common languages. So, you know, maybe they're all in English. You can... Um, you know, you guys will format the data and put it in, in things that I want. So you're not just a stream of bits. You're, you're kind of adding value around, around those APIs because you want to get it into formats people can then digest and, like you said, emerge with other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think ultimately as a, a developer or a marketer or someone interested in this data, you want to be able to use it, yep. not think about how to consume it and how to import it and how to parse it. That's, I think, something we should make as easy as possible. And I, and I have to assume since... You're basically, I mean, these are all public stores. You don't really have so much of a security problem. It's not like somebody is paying you to, to monitor some application. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're paying you to use your service, but in terms of aggregating it, 
you're really just pulling data that's publicly available. You've just figured out how to get it out and get it into certain, right? You, you're, you don't have somebody going, I don't want my competitor knowing my data. Actually, we're somewhere in the middle. So on the one side, we do aggregate private data. We don't aggregate it in the sense that we take all the private data we have and put it together, but we aggregate in the sense that we'll, for a single developer, collect all the private data they need, whether it's their ad revenue, their actual number of downloads, and a few other data sets. That data we don't actually aggregate and provide publicly. Okay. That data stays for the developer only, and we're currently the only app store that does the only app store analytics platform that does that. Interesting, interesting. Now, if if somebody were to come to you, you know, having seen, having both been on the development side as well as sort of having this really broad view of the market, and they're and they're going, hey, um, you know, I want to bring a certain type of, of app to to the marketplace. Are, do you guys? tend to, to give people guidance on things not to do or, you know, here's five or eight things you really should be doing or, or how, how can people learn, um, you know, if they want to kind of gain from your expertise or kind of, uh, what are, what are the, what are the ways that you guys are out there? Cause I mean, I have to imagine there's a certain amount of, you don't have to drive the mobile market. It's driving itself, but people want to know how to do things better. How much do you guys engage with that kind of, uh, those, that questions and, and those types of, um, engagements? As much as possible. Actually, we have two ways of going about it. One of the uh, one of the core philosophies that we have is data-driven decisions are better. And we try to not just automate, but actually provide data sets, make them available to the public, whether it's through a page on the site or whether it's through an API or, or a direct report. But another thing that we're, we've started fairly recently is to actually put out um, monthly reports that look at different – they slice the industry differently every time. And they look at different areas. So, for example, the last one was about reviews, and we took a very deep dive into what makes for uh, a competitive category by looking at reviews, what make, how many reviews an app has, how many reviews an app has, if it was featured. And that sort of information for the next one, we're going to look at numbers of developers and how they actually are distributed across different stores. So those reports are really valuable, and we just make them available directly on our blog. And that's something we think will make this data more accessible, the data we actually crunch, we process, we go through. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've been seeing uh, just a, a ton of traffic to the site every time we put out a new report. Interesting. No, that makes sense. And we'll, we'll throw that up as a link for folks. Um, I, you know, what, what do you see? So, you know, mobile, mobile trends, just sort of usage trend and so forth are, I mean, they're, they're huge everywhere, but they are sort of distinct regionally and so forth. What do you see, you know, for folks maybe that, that don't follow all the stuff in the mobile industry, like what are kind of some of the unique trends that are going on in Asia or Europe or, or South America that maybe we don't see here in the States that, that people should kind of be paying attention to, um, whether it's usage or how people engage with them or ads or, or anything along those lines? Well, I think from what I've seen, it's actually pretty much the same okay. as, far as, as far as the usage from the information we have on our end, basically what the app stores themselves are featuring, what the app stores themselves are promoting. And I think it's, it's nice to see because on one hand, this is a, a very different region from the other regions. The U.S. app store is the biggest by far. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the number of reviews, you look at the number of downloads, you look at the number of apps itself that are being offered, you'll see that it's just a much different beast. But at the same time, the other regions are actually replicating what's going on here and there, whether it's the style of games that is very similar or the type of apps that you'll see. And I think we're in a global economy. I know that's kind of a buzzword, but as a global economy, we're pretty much all looking for similar things. Okay. Now, that's interesting because I know 
early on, like when Docomo and some of those guys had the you know, kind of the early phone and those, you know, they were very distinctly ahead of us from like the Japanese market and um, some of those things. So it's interesting that we are becoming more kind of, uh, uh, you know, consistent across the planet. It's uh, probably makes it much easier for, uh, for designers and so forth. Um, so I don't want to take a, a ton of your time. Um, you guys, uh, you know, as, as I'm, as I'm kind of looking around the company, as I'm, as I'm kind of understanding you guys that you have an opening, obviously you run a big operations to, to run the platform. You've got an opening for a DevOps person. We have a, we, we do a lot of discussion about DevOps and, uh, you know, an automation on the show as well. What's, okay. what's your environment look like? What's your platform look like for folks that, that might want to go, wow, this, this sounds very cool. It's, it's mobile. It's, it's New York city. Like what's, what's your environment look like? Uh, how, you know, without going into all the numbers, I mean, how do you guys keep this thing running and keep up with all this data and all these API access and so forth? Okay. Where do I begin again? So we actually made the decision early on to never throw away data. And when I came to the office and I, and I told the team, we're not going to throw away a single data point, they looked at me like I was crazy. We collect about 100 to 250 million data points every day. And as you can imagine, that adds up. Yeah. So over the last uh, four and a half years, just about, we've developed tools around MySQL. We like MySQL. It's, uh, it's time-tested. They allow us to short it and allow us to back it up and allow us to do everything else that we need with MySQL. And it's been working very well for us. One of the things that's actually different about us a little bit is that we don't really rely on the cloud as our main provider for hosting. We actually host all of our own servers in the data center here in New York, and we maintain all the, data, all the, uh, all the servers, whether it's uh, database servers, caching servers, web servers, and everything else. Interesting. And that's something everyone I tell asks me why. And that, I, I don't know if you, you're curious, but the reason is we needed more throughput in the beginning, and the cloud just didn't have it about five years ago. Yeah. Would you would you make a different decision now if you were if you were doing that today, knowing sort of what's out there, or do you feel like the expertise you've gained in house isn't worth going externally? I think we developed something that's very unique, but at the same time very powerful. I also think that uh, having direct access to the physical servers makes it easier for us to some in, in some extent mm-hmm. or in some respects, and so I would probably do the same. I also like servers myself, so it's uh, <laughs> not a hard decision. I gotcha. How's the, we tend to talk to a lot of folks like everybody, uh, you know, that are out, out in Silicon Valley and so forth. You know, New York has a very unique growing tech culture, but it's a little bit different. Like what's, what's the big, what's sort of big in New York city? I mean, media has always been big, some of those things, but, um, what, what do you see that's sort of unique about the New York city space that, that helps you guys that you're, you know, in terms of meetups, in terms of skill sets that are out there, um, how, how is New York City for, for trying to run your business and, and be and to do the things you do? Well, New York City is a great place, not just because of the talent and not just because of different industries that we have, but also because the atmosphere here and the, the beat here is just so great for what we do, for starting small and growing big. I think one of the differences between New York and San Francisco is that the vision is just a little bit different. I think VCs haven't really gotten the best of us just yet like they did in San Francisco. And here it's about making something worthwhile, making something that adds value. And I believe that's coming from the different industries that we have. We have fashion, we have finance, we have advertising here. And as a developer here, you're probably exposed to at least to one of those three big ones. So when you come to a startup, especially, you know what's out there and you've, you've had this experience of working on products that you will rarely find in other places. Yeah, no, and I, and I like, I mean, it's, it's very rare for me to find a, a New York City startup who... 
doesn't at least have a plan for how they're going to monetize the business. They don't tend to just be in the kind of free business and, and hope that someday they'll figure that stuff out. I mean, there's obviously there's some of them, but uh, no, I, I, that, that part I appreciate. And I, obviously everybody's got to pay the bills. You guys sort of even highlight that in, uh, in some of the stuff on their website. Yeah. On the present page. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, very cool. So, you know, if folks kind of want to, want to get engaged with you guys, if they want to use the platform or they want to, play around with the platform? Like what's the best way to kind of engage with you to use the platform to get started and so forth? I would say open a trial account. We make everything available on the trial account, including the API. And if you want to have public access with the API, just enable an add-on and you get some free credits right away. So you can essentially go from, um, from nothing to knowing the ranks of the top 10 apps for the last six years or five years, I should say, uh, in, in a few minutes. Very cool. And then you can just start adding apps that you want to, to, to watch and monitor as needed and, and, and sort of pay for those on demand. Right. Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate this. this has been, this has been very knowledgeable, uh, really helpful for me to kind of get a, get a picture of this. Um, any place that if, if folks are really interested in this stuff, they'll, they'll see you guys other than the website. Are you out and about outside of New York city or do you, is there a typical set of meetups that you guys engage with? Uh, the New York city meetup, the iOS meetup. Um, I did a few last week, actually. I don't know anything specifically, but okay. Best best place to grab you guys is you know go go hit them up on Twitter, hit them up by the website at uh, at uh, appfigures.com, and uh, you know go go check it out as a trial thing. So well, very cool. Thank you very much, um, folks. You know as always, if uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. Um, you know leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, you know help us in the App Store. Um, you can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at thecloudcast.net or on the web at thecloudcast.net. You can find everything Cloudcast. So. Uh, for Aaron, who's out on vacation this week uh, with his wife, who's having a birthday. And for Ariel, thank you very much and have a great weekend. Thank you. Be a hero. Leave a review on iTunes and tell a friend about the podcast.